Welcome to episode 43 of the Retro Gaming Dads podcast. I'm Barry. And I'm Anthony. We'll be taking a look at this week's retro and retro-inspired news. As well as a look at some of our favourite games to play over the festive period. Before we get into our favourite games to play at Christmas, sure we look forward to some games that we can maybe use some of our Christmas money to get next year. Yes, even though you might be waiting a while for it, but there'll be some. Um, oh, I think we've had some good games coming out, especially from the Game Awards. Yeah, well, we've had the Game Awards, where we had our first look at the Halo TV series. I know it's not strictly gaming, but... Oh, do you know what? Talk about the Halo TV series. I think I've possibly been a bit more excited about trailers, about the movies and TV series and the yeah, yeah. games, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I didn't really look at anything else at the Game Awards, if I'm being no. honest. It was only a really quick peek. I thought it looked amazing. In fact, the yeah. thing I thought looked the worst on that trailer was the Master Chief. Yeah. Everything else looked amazing. Looked beast. Like, you know, when he's there, put him with a sniper rifle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. I, don't, I don't know. I felt a little bit underwhelmed when I saw Master Chief. I was like, eh, yeah, it looks maybe good. Maybe they don't but... want to give too much away about the Master Chief yet. Yeah, maybe. Hold suspense. But... Looking forward to that in 2022. At some point, as long as Master Chiefs run around the Scorpion tank like a boss, I'm happy. I'm blowing up any alien son of a <laughs> stupid enough to get me. Oh, we know where that goes. Yes. Um, as well as the other trailers, though. Two Sonic trailers. The first one right. was for the upcoming Sonic game that they announced earlier in the year, which has now got its actual title, Sonic Frontiers, I think it was. Yes, it was. And it looks like it's going to be more of an open world game, which I'm not sure how I feel because I think Sonic does best when he's in tight platforming sections. But the idea of running around an open world at supersonic speeds does sound pretty cool as well. Does sound pretty fun. And also, this is just to me going more for I would love there to be a multiplayer in every single game. If you put multiplayer into this and then you could choose Shadow or, you know, someone to run around with might be a bit more fun to play with other people. But I don't yeah. see that happening at all. But I think it's pretty cool. I know I've told you about this, but I'll have to say it again for the podcast. I am very proud, Father. As my son has started <laughs> playing Sonic Mania and managed to complete the very first stage with Sonic on his own. Which I, a lot I of know disappointment for... of failing. Oh, no. It was kind of cute. It took him so many times to get past that first motorbug. And he finally got past it and went, yay, I did it. And then ran straight into, I think it's like a chomper or something. I went, oh, no, I didn't do it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> it was cute. It was funny. But he managed to finish it, which I was really impressed by. Considering Initially, he was just jumping up and down on the spot because he didn't know how to play it. Nice one, Elliot. Yeah, good job. And on top of all of that, we also got a trailer for the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming out next year. Now, with this, I was quite happy that I saw this um, being announced saying, oh, we're going to show us the Game Awards before you ever saw it. No, no, I didn't actually know that's when they were showing it. I heard there was actually going to be a trailer. I actually heard it was going to be at the beginning of um, Spider-Man. Oh, really? Yeah. Which came out today. All movies around that time. Looks more the same. I'm quite happy that Robotnik looks more like, well, Robotnik. Robotnik. He's got a big old tash. Yeah. 
I'm excited for Knuckles. I really enjoy that little scene they had when Sonic, uh, you know, charged across and Knuckles just went, yeah, boof. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the beginning of Sonic 3 all over again. I, I'm, I am excited. Uh, I definitely do want to watch this, and I know Samson will watch it as well, so yeah. it would nice to take Sam to go watch this at the cinema. And just while we're on talking about movies and that, anyone out there who likes Ghostbusters, who's thinking of going to see it, go and watch it. I watched it the other day. It's fantastic. I need to watch it. Definitely. It's really good. Watch the first movie first, because a lot of it picks up after that. Okay. If you've got that fresh in your mind, that's a good start. You can skip the second one, though, if you want. Right. Anyway, should we should we actually talk about some games in this gaming podcast? Sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, so first up, gaming-wise, we've got Nintendo's Indie World Showcase, which they kind of just randomly seem to push out the gates every so often. Well, I guess it's a nice, easy way for them to mash all the games in together in a little bit there, for everyone to know what's coming up. I understand the first one on the list was Sea of Stars, wasn't it? Yeah, which, well, yeah, this definitely caught my eye, and anyone who's a fan of Chrono Trigger, it'll almost certainly catch their eye as well. So it looks like a spiritual successor to it. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a SNES RPG. Chrono Trigger, no, I'm not familiar with it. Um, have a look at it. It's a turn-based RPG. It does look very interesting. It's something that we'd like to give a try. I quite like the gameplay of it from the trailer. Uh, yeah. The way that when you go into a fight, you come across a boss, the UI changes so you don't shift to another screen. It's still within the same screen. It just moves around and automatically goes into turn base without having to reload the, the screen you're on. Yeah, there's there's no jar and transition between what you would consider to be the open world and then your battle scenes. It all takes place in the same area. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. And on a side note, you need to play Chrono Trigger. I can hear I can actually hear people booing you right now. <laughs> Anyone who's a fan of SNES games or RPGs in general will definitely know what I mean when I say this is like Chrono Trigger. What if Chrono Trigger's on um, the Switch? On I the... don't I don't think what it is. It? Oh, okay. I do wrong one. It possibly could be, to be honest. I haven't I've just renewed that for another year and I still haven't been on to check what games are on it. Yeah, good point. Another game that I was really excited for and it's officially announced is River City Girls 2. Now, the first one I did play, I played it with, I think it was you and Phil I played it with, or just you? Or is it two-player only? It's two-player, yeah. Uh, it probably I definitely played it whilst around yours, though. Uh, and I did quite enjoy it. Oh, I, I, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I I think I ran through this with Phil, and I ran through it with Kerry as well. So, I got my mileage out of it. Um, the only downside for this game is it made Scott Pilgrim feel bad. Really? It was so good, it made Scott Pilgrim vs. the World feel bad, in comparison. Did that upset you a bit? It did. It upset me a lot. Especially the amount of time I had to wait for limited run games to get the <laughs> game out. <laughs> really so? What, then it took, what, nearly a year? Over a year? Well, actually, no, it didn't take that long. It took, what was it, like six months or something? I feel like it must be a long. In all fairness, I ended up buying it digitally anyway, again. In all fairness, we could always listen back to the podcast because you mentioned it on every single podcast and see when the first time we said about waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. That that can be one of our milestones for the end of the year. Barry finally got his game he pre-ordered <laughs> in, like, February. 
new stages, new characters. So instead of your initial two starting characters from the first River City Girls, you yeah. now looks like you've got six. So you've got Misako and Kyoko, which are the original two characters. Uh, yep. Kyoko easily being the best of the two. Plus, <laughs> you've got Kunio and Ricky, which are the unlockable characters from the first game, and the ones that the two girls are actually trying to find out what happened to them because they got kidnapped. And two new characters, or at least new as far as I'm aware, which is Pruvi and Marion. I don't know anything about those two characters, so can't really say an awful lot, to be honest. Pruvi, just a name. Hmm. Unless I've written that down wrong. <laughs> it's very Probably. likely I've written that down wrong. Maybe. Um, but yeah, they're saying it's a much bigger world to explore. Uh, new moves, new enemies, new items. New uh, everything. Yeah, well, new and improved. Don't know how it's <laughs> new and improved, but somehow it is. But this is coming out in summer 2022. So, oh, so you've mm, not got long to wait, do you? Wow, it's half a year. You know how impatient I get. Yeah, but that's long it took for you to get your limb to run your pilgrim. Well, so. well yeah, enough. Oh, no. What? I just thought, I think it'll be limited running. We'll be doing the physical version of this game. I'll have to go through <laughs> it all over again. You never know. <sighs> it might not be as long. Yeah, we'll see. Again, this is going to be two-player, unfortunately. It's not four-player, like, say, Streets of Rage. I don't know. I'm getting more excited for these somewhat smaller indie games than I am, like all the big AAA games recently. I enjoy a lot of the indie games as well. I think the reason that we get excited more about them is because it's given us a bit of rekindling to our childhood games. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, you know, nowadays, the games are, you know, they look, out of fantastic, they are really well done. But then it's quite nice to have the graphics a bit more simplified back to how they were sometimes. It's it's not even just the graphics. It's I think for a start, they tend to take a little bit more risk. Yeah. So they might not take risk in like dramatically changing, but they might take a risk in doing something that's fallen out of favor, like a side scrolling beat em up or a turn based 2D RPG, for example. Hmm. Whereas Modern games now, I could say the open world first person shooter where you take over outposts, you would not be able to tell me what game I'm on about there. Wait, wait. Halo. No, I could have been talking you about Far Cry. Yeah, anything. Yeah, there's literally so many games that I could be talking about. Division? Ghost Recon? Yeah, they're third person, but you get oh, the idea. Okay. Though, don't you? Yeah, open world taken over. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of been done a lot now. Or you could just say open world game where you get outposts and go around getting collectibles. <laughs> that's Heck. every Ubisoft game that's come out for the like, last yeah. decade. That's the majority of games. Uh, just like some of these smaller in scale titles. It's great having these big massive open worlds, but sometimes I want I want something I can complete within like a couple of weeks, not after dedicate a really long amount of time. I want more mech games, is what I want. Yes, mech games are always appreciated. Chrome Hounds 2, come on, Sega. Oh, I know. Put your finger out, Sega, please, come on. <laughs> oh, oddly that enough... Um, played more than anything else, I think. I went on the Xbox Museum, where it tells you like your stats throughout the entire time you've been a member of Xbox. Oh, yeah. Which you can find on the Xbox website, anyone who's interested. And it tells you your top five games... And Chrome Hounds was my second most played game in the entirety of 
every Xbox title I've ever played. <laughs> yeah, but Barry, please tell the audience what number one was. Number two was Battlefield 2 demo. Now, I played this for about five minutes. <laughs> My brother, on the other hand, played this demo of a single stage, I believe it was called A Bridge Too Far, so much on my account that it is my most played game ever. Yeah. Like, not even a contest, it's just top of the list. Now, this is even more played than Fancy Star Online 2, which I've put somewhere around about 27 days worth of gameplay time into. Oh, that was dedication for your brother. Unless he literally sat there and left it running and never turned it off. Um, All no, my he was, days. He's always on it. But the worst thing is, he then got the game. Absolutely hammered the game. I'm surprised the actual game wasn't in my top five as well. Hammered the game on my account up to the point where about a year or so ago, I would actually go on and get people inviting me to games of Battlefield thinking that I was Ben. Oh, really? Then on top of that, he's had at least two Xbox Live accounts of his own where he's just racked up stupid amounts of time on the game as well. Well, the fact that when you told me that a beta was number one... It wasn't a beta, it was a single stage demo. Demo, sorry. Even yeah, worse. I can't even remember if it was the original Xbox or the 360 either. I think it might have been the 360 though. Yeah, 360. Yeah. Well, you this, this account didn't exist in the original Xbox, did it? Yes, it has played on the original Xbox. It's just not my original account I signed up for. I couldn't transfer that across. I had some issues for some reason. Before we get more sidetracked, (laughs) go back (laughs) onto the uh, Indie World Games. Parkosaurus. This is a very interesting looking one, isn't it? This reminds me a lot of... Is it Jurassic World Evolution? Yeah, it is. But a much more child-friendly, light-hearted version. So that looks (laughs) like a nice basic graphics, kid-friendly. Yeah. One other title that looks quite interesting is Amori. Okay. Which is, it's got a very unique pencil drawn style to it. And it's a turn-based RPG. And apparently it delves into some topics that you may not really see very often in games, like the subject of loss and trauma. So that looks like it could be interesting game. Okay. Again, these indie games, I feel like they have a bit more freedom to explore different subjects like that, that maybe the AAA games don't really want to go into because they want the safe bet to get as much money back as they can. That's bad. Like, you know, they, indie developers have a lot more freedom because it's not, I don't know, there's not a, as big of a loss, I guess, if you know what I'm saying, with it all. You know, they've got more ability to risk it. Yeah, if you're spending $50,000, say, to make your game and it crashes and burns, that's a lot of money to lose, but it's 50000 If your game yeah. costs $100 million to make and you crash and burn, that that's enough to destroy not not only like uh, one person's livelihood. It's a whole company and everyone who yeah. works there. So they do have the responsibility to go for the safer bets. Yes. And maybe if that game does well, maybe they can use a bit of the profit from that to maybe do something a bit more out there. But I definitely enjoy there being AAA and indies. Not like back in the day, 16-bit, where pretty much every game was just an indie game. Just maybe, but not by name. They were just pumping out as many games as they could do to see what stuck. Yeah, especially Sega with the Dreamcast. The amount of 
games and the breadth of different genres that they brought out on that console was absolutely insane. Oh, well, actually, talk about Sega. Aren't those big news about <laughs> Sega, isn't it, too? Yeah, it's... Oh, I'll pretend that was actually planned, actually. So the Did next bit of news that we've got is some absolute madman has gone out there and sawn a Sega Saturn in half and made a handheld Sega Saturn. I think calling a madman is an understatement. The oh, no. this thing, what Just the heck really am I looking at? Have you seen this video? I'm not seeing the video. I'm I'm looking at the image of it. I've read the details right. in it. And I'm like, what the heck am I looking at? It looks... looks Which one are you looking at? The the one next to the Game Gear, the finished product? No, <laughs> the one below it. Oh, the one below it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Honestly, I watched the video and I, I was crying. I was, I've never been so upset in my life. He literally starts out and it shows a picture of the Sega Saturn motherboard and then a picture of a Stanley knife or whatever the, like, the generic term for them is, you know, yeah. box cutter or something. And I looked at it and went, no, surely not. He <laughs> literally just cuts the whole motherboard in half and goes, I'll, I'll figure it out later. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> the video is actually in what I think is Chinese. Okay. There's just a bit of music playing, but I can't read the text, so I'm not 100% sure. But my understanding is he just cut the satin in half, well, actually scored it with the Stanley knife and then snapped it like a cracker <laughs> and then put so many cables to connect the two parts back together. I'm wondering if it actually saved him any space at all. <laughs> then he got a optical disc emulator, which is like a, a device you put in in place of the CD drive so you can put memory cards into it and load games from memory card. Cut that in half... And then, just to finish it off, for I know, I'll cut a Sega Saturn controller in half and I'll stick it on either side. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and I'm like, what? This, oh, no, he's absolutely mad. But it works. Mental. Absolutely mental. And this has taken him over two years to complete. And do you know what? The finished product actually looks pretty decent. It does look pretty nice. Um, But I feel like, he has too much time in his hands. I've had it lately. A lot of people have too much time in their hands doing stuff. Well, they do stuff like this. And well, I'm watching yeah. going, oh, what? Yeah. Do you know what? It it does look it does like look it could good. be a genuine prototype for something that Sega would have come out with in the it does. mid it's to late very 90s. Well done. Reminds me a lot of the Sega Nomad, which is a portable Mega Drive that unfortunately we never got over here. So it's, I suppose technically it was a portable Genesis. If you want to be pedantic, the video it's it's both amazing and horrifying to watch in equal measures. Well, just seeing the as he snaps it in half. Oh yeah, he, he literally scores down it and he goes, and just snaps it like a cracker. You know, it just ah, oh, it's absolutely shocking. But I'll have a link to it in the show notes, so it's worth a watch. And the, the, there's multiple parts to it, but you get you get the you idea. You might die a little bit, one. but it's worth a watch. Oh, yeah. Again, though, the finished product, it looks great. Now, moving on from the 32-bit generation, though, to something, I was going to say modern, but it's still 20 years ago. Ubisoft is announcing that they're going to remake the original Splinter Cell. Yeah, I saw this earlier, and I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I, I miss my Splinter Cell games. Please never, ever make that noise again. Okay. Uh... I saw this and I got a bit excited because 
When was the last time you played a spin cell game? Um, well, I actually went and checked it. It was 2013. <laughs> which there we was go. the last last Splinter Cell, which was back on the Xbox 360 and it was Blacklist. I absolutely love the Splinter Cell games because I like just creeping around and stunning people, knocking people out. You know, I I very rarely shot people. Or if it did, it was literally just with a pistol just in the head and then carry on moving. Oh, no, I I remember playing, I think it was Pandora Tomorrow with Phil, and you'd start off best intentions, but very quickly everything would go to pot, and you just ended up in this massive running gun battle <laughs> as you're, like, trying to climb out windows to escape. No offense, playing with Phil, I'm not surprised. Yeah, we'll blame it on Phil. He's not here to defend himself. <laughs> or you two just shoot each other, and then it goes to pot. <laughs> no, no. we Actually, it's probably one of the few games that never happened to us. But I am actually surprised that there was no dedicated Splint Cell game for the last generation at all. Yeah, so am I. Um, I'm not sure I played Blacklist. I played Double Agent. Mm-hmm. Was, the, was Blacklist one after Double Agent? No, Blacklist was the last one. There was another one before... Uh, was Conviction the next one? Yes, I played before, Conviction. I just didn't play before Blacklist. It, which came after um, Double Agent. Double Agent. Yeah, I, I enjoyed most of them. The only one I really didn't get into that much was um, Double Agent. I, said, I absolutely love Double Agent. I played that online so I just much. couldn't get into it, but I started playing from the newer ones backwards. And when I got yeah. to there, I think just the controls were a bit too antiquated and didn't feel as smooth as the later games, which kind of put me off, I think. Now, I'm intrigued to see more about the Spin Cell remake. Um, definitely is one that I'm going to be watching. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how are they going to just basically make it just with the newer engine just to update all the graphics or they're going to change quite a bit of it. So I'm excited to see it all happen. Yeah, I think this is more of a remake than a remaster. Although they were clear to say that it's only been greenlit. So there's no development on this at all at the moment. I mean, I hope there is development. I hope there is going forwards, but... Yeah, there will be, but they've only just said, yeah, go make it. No one's actually started making it, so there's not been any like gameplay to show or anything else. But yeah, it's it's nice to see them giving Sam Fisher a bit of a... Uh, putting him back in the spotlight for a bit, rather than just like a cameo in another game. Did they cameo him in... Um... Siege? Division. Um... I've got a feeling he might have actually been in the division. I'm sure you hear him in one of the missions he's talking on the radio. I'm really sure he was. Yeah, but I'm I'm almost certain he was. It was I think even Division Two. I feel like it was. I'm really sure he was. Yeah, I think it was the Division Two. One of the missions. Someone even name drops him, or he comes in and starts talking. Yeah, I'm almost certain. Like you said, they they did cameos. Which is nice, but it's it's not a substitute for an actual one cell game by a long shot. Oh, no, no chance. It couldn't be any further apart, could they? I'd love to see what the graphics would look like on like um, the new Xbox and PlayStation consoles with ray tracing as well. Or oh, we'll creep around the dark and all the lighting effects and everything. Exactly, yeah. Shooting out all yeah. the lights. <laughs> that, that was fun. <laughs> you swap around, shout out the lights, and then we'll go, ooh, what was that? It's your death. <laughs> like, knock them out, drag them by the feet. 
carefully knock them out and think, I know what, I'll just carefully chuck this body off the fifth floor balcony. <laughs> it's fine. It'll, it'll be fine as he lands on his neck. I know, but like, but it was not climbing lethal. on the wall, you're, you're hiding on the side of the walls, they're looking around, and you see your, the, their torch going over looking for you. And as they pop the head off, you just grab the head and just knock them out and pull them off the side of the, <laughs> of the balcony. Oh, the, the other thing I always thought was funny was um, if the corridor and it was narrow enough, you could jump and do the splits. Yeah. To like hide above them. And like a guard just comes along and just like grazes across <laughs> the bits that you got down there. And you're thinking, how <laughs> yeah. does he not know I'm here? <laughs> it's just, he's essentially just teabagged himself. <laughs> <laughs> Walks into the bag himself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. delightful. I'm looking forward, but I don't expect to see anything from this for until like maybe I don't know 2023 or something. Yeah, uh, maybe we might get a little teaser at E3 or something, perhaps. Just give us something, please. So just before we move on to the next bit, where we will be speaking about our favorite Christmas games, if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you could take just two minutes and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. It's really appreciated and any sort of feedback would definitely help us going along. And if you'd like to support us further, we also have a Patreon where you become a member for as little as £2.50 a month listening to ad-free extended versions of this podcast. So as this podcast has came out on Christmas Eve, we want to tie in something Christmassy into it as much as possible. And we thought we'd speak about some of our favourite Christmas games we've played, or maybe favourite game you'd like to play during Christmas time. Anyway, just anything that makes you think about Christmas. Barry, you've got any there at all? Oh, yeah. There's certain games that I come to every Christmas that I love playing. Um, the most notable ones, Christmas Nights. If, again, if you were a Sega kid like I was, you've got to play Christmas Nights. Now... I don't think you you were what Knights is, just out of curiosity. I, I don't know that game, no. Right, basically you are a jester that flies around in kids' dreams catching nightmares. What the hell? It's actually a lot weirder than that. And over here, we got on Sega Saturn Magazine a demo of the first stage of the game, except when you boot it up, you know... The music's changed, it's very festive, it's Christmassy, it's snowing. Instead of some of the items have been replaced by, instead of like loops, it's been replaced by giant reefs and Christmas bells and crackers instead of springs. So it's it's all very, very on point for being Christmas. Yeah. And I used to love it. But the more you play it, once you complete the demo and you defeat the boss, you get to play... Do you remember those games where you got to match two cards? Yes. Like memory games. It's Yeah. It's that game, but each one's a present. So if you can match two presents, you will unlock that present. Okay. And there's so much that you can unlock. You can actually unlock to play as Sonic the Hedgehog. Instead of flying around, you're just Sonic and you're thinking sod that you know just running around jumping through the air it was amazing because it was full 3d sonic on the sega Saturn. okay and depending on when you play it as well the game also changes oh bear in mind this game as well has its own plot as well in the city where these two kids the two playable characters live yeah the tree hasn't got a star 
It's been stolen. So they're going into their dreams to try and retrieve this star. But playing it on certain dates, like if you play it on Halloween, you get to play as Rila, which is like the evil jester. Again, if you go back and you're doing the boss as Sonic instead of this giant opera singing bunny rabbit, it's actually Dr. Robotnik. So it's it's really good and it's just nice unlocking all the bits. Unfortunately, when this game came to the Xbox and PlayStation 3, although Christmas Nights is on it, you can only play through the level. You can't get any of the unlockables. So it's... It doesn't change on the seasons, it doesn't... No... That, that was part of the fun. Rerunning yeah. for a bit, get, it's getting a high score. It's like a score attack sort of game. But unlocking all the extra bits as well. Um, on top of that, I think the only other game that I tend to play around Christmas time, which is vaguely Christmassy, is The Division, to be honest. Yeah, because everything goes all snowy, doesn't it? Yeah, not, nothing gets you in the mood for Christmas like shooting people in the face. Um, I think even in like in Division Two, um, they've just released a patch at the minute where certain enemies will drop Santa gear or <laughs> some sort of different gears and that. I just um, I was reading through the, the patch notes and it was saying you know ki- killing these certain enemies and there's even some enemies dressed as Santa and stuff like that as well. It was saying. Yeah, so you'll be able to get a diehard reference out of that. Ho ho ho! I got a machine gun. <laughs> talking about that we started watching Die Hard last night right here's the question Die Hard is it a Christmas film or not Christmas yeah easily no I agree with you on that one easily it's set at Christmas time he leads to the Christmas I mean come on ho 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 I've got a machine gun yeah if people say that Die Hard is not a Christmas film then in that case neither is Home Alone no because the argument is oh no it's just a film Christmas that's set party. at Christmas yeah, exactly. it's set at Christmas. It's a Christmas party. It's look, it is. It's Christmas. a movie about one man overcoming any obstacle to spend Christmas time with his family. There you go. He just happens to shoot a lot of people on the way though. Yeah, <laughs> and blow up the top part of a building. Yep, and kick <laughs> so, someone out of a window. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not okay. Let's put it this way: it's definitely a Christmas movie. It's just not a child-friendly yeah. Christmas movie. For me, though, when it comes to a Christmas game, I always tend to go back to RuneScape. Funny enough, um, because they always do their different events for different times of the year. I tend to try and jump back on it and try and do the events. So at the minute, it's Christmas time now. So Christmas event, Halloween, and Easter—they always do different events. Yeah. Um. So generally, try and tend to jump on them and take part in those events and that's one thing that i always tend to go back to just during the during the festive periods uh i think it gets to the point where when i'm playing it by myself it, it's one of those games where you can play with other people quite easily but when i'm playing by myself it gets a bit boring yeah um so i do jump in do the festive bit unlock the in-game content um which again can be pretty weird some of the storylines and quests they've got going on um but I always tend to go back and enjoy that. And again, I like how games do turn Christmassy when it comes to Christmas or turn Halloweeny when it comes to Halloween. I remember playing one of the Forza games and it does just one day, a patch update, and it just starts snowing everywhere. Yeah. That's definitely something games can do now, especially um, 
like live service games like say Destiny or the Division. Yes. And it's something that I think from like the 2000s started to get a bit more prevalent as well. One of the first games I remember that changed for Christmas was Sonic the Adventure on the Dreamcast. Okay. You downloaded like a little patch and it changed some of the palm trees into Christmas trees. There'd be decorations up. Some of the music had changed slightly. Oddly enough, I actually think the music changed to the music from Christmas nights. Talk about online service games. We need to play Fanstar Online uh, New Genesis. Yeah. That'll be all Christmas stuff now, won't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Get all that in-game stuff done. Phil's probably on there now grinding for like little Christmas suits for his character or something. Do you mean like a slutty Mrs. Claw suit? You said it, not me. <laughs> for me, gaming is kind of like intertwined with Christmas. Yes. So other than games that you like to play around Christmas time, do you have any sort of memories of games related to Christmas? I have one which I've said many times, which unfortunately isn't a happy memory, which is when I really wanted Sonic Chaos for the Master System and I got Indiana Jones. Thank you, Auntie. You ruined my Christmas. <laughs> Isn't that the one game you're missing? So. No, no, no. Sorry. I, I actually got that Sonic Chaos. Um, oh, okay. I actually got that for my birthday afterwards. You're thinking of Knuckles Chaotix. That's oh, okay. the game I'm missing, which is now far too expensive. I would need to get a mortgage to buy that game. Uh, for me, I have a fond memory of getting the PlayStation. I remember getting the PlayStation for Christmas, and um, <laughs> I, I I can't remember how I remember this. Maybe my dad told me, but I remember him telling me that once him and my mum unboxed the PlayStation, plugged it all in, because they wanted to test to see if how it worked. And my dad said that Christmas Eve, come like Christmas Eve or the night before that when they were supposed to be wrapping it, him and my mum were racing on a Colin McRae rally, uh, rally game. You've got to make I'm sure like, it works. I was like, thanks, Dad. I used no. to use that excuse all the time. If I was getting a present for my birth, a game for my birthday, and I was asked to choose the game that I wanted, I was like, but I've got to make sure it works and just would absolutely hammer it for a day or so until they wrapped it up. I was just thinking then, I've never actually got a games console for Christmas. Uh, I have got a few of them. No, I haven't. Um, in fact, I don't think I've ever got one for my birthday either. They just tend to buy them and just get them used straight away. I used to ask for money, save up and buy them, which is what I did with me, my system uh, going forward. The only exception to that is I did get a second-hand Amiga 1200 for Christmas. Would have been probably about, I want to say Christmas 97 or maybe 9th. No, it would have been earlier than that. A long time ago. Yeah, it would have been about Christmas 96. And unfortunately, my mum gave the Amiga away. And I've not been able to find one for a reasonable price ever since. And you have not forgiven the forgiven her since either nope not at all <laughs> no not not only did she give the amiga away she gave all my games away and it had my coursework for school on it as well i actually used it for actual work as well as gaming mainly I, gaming though. just another memory that i i think just twigged pokemon i always used to get pokemon for christmas because pokemon always came out in november 
Yeah. So my parents would always get it, and then I'd get it as a Christmas present. So me and my brothers would get it, wait for it, get it on Christmas, and then just start playing Pokemon all day, Christmas yeah. day. That's another one I remember. Well, I've got to act surprised, but I know I am getting Sonic Colors for Christmas this year. Mainly because, one, I bought it, and two, Elliot just told me. Oh, did he? Yeah. I was there going to him, going, what do you want for Christmas? And he's like, I want a tanker. And I went, what does Daddy want? And he goes, Sonic. But don't worry, I've got it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I was like, what does Mummy want? Shoes. I'm like, yeah, you've, you've got us sussed, haven't you? Knows <laughs> you too well. Yeah. One other actual memory that I have from Christmas as well is playing Modern Warfare. I think it was the first Modern Warfare, maybe Modern Warfare 2 with okay. Ben. We were at my mum's and at the Xbox setup and we just absolutely blitzed through all of the spec op missions that were on there. Do you know, yeah. like the co-op missions? And we stayed up until about half seven in the morning. Bear in mind, we're fully grown adults at this point. We're not children. And we're, we're there playing it. And we could not do the one where the juggernauts come in like the playing graveyard. They we, absolutely, there's two of them, isn't there? I think there's two or three at least. We just couldn't do it. And every time we heard like the music, we'd go, like, shit, they're coming. And like panic could take over. But we just could not do that. I think we've done them all on the hardest difficulty except that one mission. And at half seven, we heard my mum's alarm going off in her bedroom. We were like, take the Xbox off, jump in bed and pretend we were asleep. <laughs> Wait, so these two full-grown adults are scared of their mum at half seven in the morning? <laughs> oh, yeah. If you see my mum in the morning, you'd be scared of her too. Um, <laughs> No, like just just as soon as we just podcast. heard the alarm and just look at each other and go, oh no. And just right, just turned the Xbox off and just dived into bed and threw the quilt over as Mum comes in going, come on boys, it's Christmas. Are you coming down? Yeah, just getting up. It's like, oh, you got changed quick. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we fell asleep like midday. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Went around my mum's for Christmas and she's like, oh, she did you sleep all day. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I'm not surprised though, Barry. Unfortunately, I can't do that with Ben now since he's like half a day ahead of me. I don't know. I think for a lot of people, gaming and Christmas are very closely related. It is because a lot of people get consoles and games for Christmas. Yeah. Normally. But you know, <laughs> yeah. No. Except this year where scalpers have got them all. No, yeah. Scalpers are just. There's the start now. But I think. I've actually asked, I know it doesn't come out till January, but I've asked us to get me a Pokemon Arceus and that comes out. Yeah. Have you got any games for your, any of your kids? Yeah. So he, he asked for a Just Dance game, so I've got them Just Dance on Switch. Oh dear. Well, he, he lost that sort of thing. I've seen you dance. Something's got to get broken. Don't start. Well, on that, I think that's all that we have for this week. So thank you everyone for listening. And hopefully we'll see you next week for our retro recap of 2021. As always, information on everything we've spoken about today can be found in the full show notes, which can be found at retrogamingdads.co.uk. We've been the Retro Gaming Dads and we'll catch you next time.